0: a series on abundance, the abundant life, and one of the things that I think is so important I've been sort of reemphasizing in this series is when Christ came, he said, I came to give you life, John 10, verse 10, in its most abundant form. And one of the great, uh, if I can humbly say, mistakes, um, and I know some of you are going to want to check me on this, but one of the great mistakes I think that modern Christianity has made is um, focusing on the, the afterlife, right? Huge focus on the afterlife. And what Jesus came to do was to give us life. And it carries on after you die. I'm here glad for that. But how much do you know about heaven anyway? Since the Bible says, I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, it's never entered in the mind of man what God has in store for those that love him. Um, and none of us really, really want to live on streets of gold. Do you? I mean, it'd be nice if my street was a little cleaner than it is, but we don't want, we don't want that, that obviously is some metaphor that we don't understand completely. Does anybody want to live on a cloud? No, we really want, we really want something like we have now without death, disease, brokenness, sin, torn up relationships. I don't know about you, but that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Anybody? Or, or no a couple, of you want the gold. A couple, you're like, no, I want, you know, I want gold. I want to have a cloud and a lot of harp music. <laughs> this is this is a big uh, thing, and I don't have time to teach on it this morning. Um, but literally, when Jesus came, he came to bring us life. And uh, oh, I'm going to get off track, but just salvation has come to mean a life that is to come. But when Jesus came to give us salvation. He came to give us life here, now. And that's what he meant by the abundant life. And so the series that we're doing this summer is how we can experience that. And today I want to talk about rewiring our minds. And and last week I I started on this subject and I I introduced this idea. So let me revisit it and then we'll launch from there. What we're learning is... um, By the way, one of the things I'm learning is now I'm not going to know who's missing church. I don't know. Some people say, do you know if I'm gone? I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. Um, What we're learning in science, they call this a negativity bias, a negativity bias. So when you and I get a negative thought or we hear a negative thing, we grab onto it. Think of it like Velcro. It sticks. That's why you replay negative things that happen in your life over and over and over again. That's why when somebody sends you a negative email, you read it and read it and read into it. When so, when you can have a conversation and it can be 85% positive and 10% negative, And you go over and over and over again, the negative parts. It, and what scientists learn is that negativity bias... All of us have it, and it was a survival instinct. So your amygdala fires, that's the alarm system, and your, and your brain goes off, and it tells you run from this, uh, fight this, and so you grab onto it. However, a positive thought, we don't nearly grab as much, and this is what science is learning. If you get a positive thought, what you have to do is focus on that, hold it for 15 seconds... And then it can make an actual imprint in your brain. So we can, here's what we're learning, we actually can rewire our minds. Paul said it this way, Romans 12, verse 2, um, do, do not conform to the pattern, and that's a great word, pattern. Let's say it together, one, two, three, pattern. We're going to visit that word. Don't uh, conform to the pattern of this world's thinking, but be transformed or be a changed person by renewing. And I'm going to say today, rewiring your mind. You can be a different person by renewing your mind. So how many of you play out in your mind, worst case scenarios, right? Okay. Really, all of us do for, at some time or another. This is, the, this is how bad this thing can go, right? And oftentimes, we play out these worst-case scenarios because of that negativity bias. But what we're learning is you can actually change that. You can sort of rewire, if, if it were. The disciples did this all the time. The, all the time, the disciples were playing out the worst-case. They're on the boat. Right? How many miracles have they already seen Jesus do? Right? And Jesus is sleeping. The storms are swamping. The waves are swamping the boat, and they cry out and say, "We're gonna die. We're gonna drown." And in Mark's gospel, he says, "Don't." (laughs) They go to Jesus. Don't you even care that we're gonna drown? So not only are you playing out the worst case scenario. I know we're gonna die. This is it. But we are blaming God that God doesn't even, what, care. We're at our worst hour, and he's nowhere to be found. So here's the thing. Anybody anybody ever, you're driving along, and you're supposed to be going to the store, and you drove to work? <laughs> My hand is up. I'm not asking for volunteers. Hi. Anybody? Anybody? i am I at work? I don't know why I'm at work. I'm supposed to, bread? I'm supposed to get bread. This, there, there's a reason behind this. Now, what your brain does is when, when you start doing a task over and over again, your brain helps you shortcut so you don't have to put a lot of thought into, do I turn left here? Do I turn right here? Do I put it in this gear? You're, it's, it's a favor that your brain is doing for you. You don't tell your brain to do it. It's gratis. This is huge. Without asking your permission, your brain just says, I'll get you there, no problem. You've done it. And I know I come right up here, and I'm supposed to be going following up Pontiac trail, and my car turns left onto Ladd Road to get to Building C, right? And I get here, and go, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. Your brain does a shortcut for you, all right? A shortcut. And it's doing you a favor so you don't have to think about a lot of things, all right? Um, I'm going to do two things right now. I'm going to welcome everybody that's online because I didn't do that. And I'm going to fix my microphone because it's bugging me. All right. All right. Do you mind? I'll be right back to you. Hello. Thank you, Ryan. Rewire your microphone. So your, your brain is doing this shortcut for you. So think of it this way. Um, you are making your way, you live in a rural part of Africa and you, you have a bicycle and you're making your way from one place to another place, but there's just a field and it's so full of grass that you can't ride your bike through it. You literally have to get off your bike and you walk it through this grass and you're pushing the grass over, pushing the grass over. And then when you come back home, there's still a lot of grass. The grass you've pushed over has kind of grown back up or or folded back up. And so you push it down again. And you you can't ride your bike. You have to walk it. The next day, you make the same path. The next day, you make the same path. Um, Two weeks later, you've walked on that grass so much. Not only do you have to not push it over anymore, you can fluidly ride your bike through there. Your brain sort of does the same thing. It just wears a path. It wears a groove. Now, I'm not a brain scientist, so you could do Google research or talk to the brain surgeons in the room. I'm not going to pretend. But this is, in in a sense, what, what we know. And we used to think that your brain was sort of set at a certain age. Maybe you got it from your DNA. Now what we're learning is, ready? You can rewire these paths in your brain. You can rewire these shortcuts. In other words, if you stop taking that path, the grass will grow up again. You can change. The Bible has the word repent. You can rewire. So you can stop taking that path, but what's going to happen? You're, you're going to want to take the same path that you've known before. It feels comfortable. It feels easy, and your brain is sort of doing you a favor. It happens naturally. They did a survey, or they did a study, a four-year study, of taxi cab drivers in London, um, and if you've ever seen a, a, a city map, anybody been to London before? It's been to London five, six, seven, eight, ten. All right, all right. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And if you're there for the first time, you have no shot of figuring out how to get anywhere. You have no chance. So you get in a taxi, right? They did a study of these taxi cab drivers, and here's what they learned: four years of studying. Taxi cab drivers, after uh, months and months of training, had an enlarged hippocampus. It's a region of the brain, an enlarged hippocampus, gray matter in their brain, than others. Why? They had to somehow memorize mentally all of these different things in their. Uh, so they had an advantage that other people did not have. There's these. Uh, a tribe in Thailand, the Mokin. The moken they're, they're free divers. They fish for a living. So the Mokin will go down into 20, 25 meters of water with nothing except a spear. Swim around, catch fish. And the Mokin have trained. This is unbelievable. They've trained. Your eyes dilate at a certain thing when you get underwater. Anybody go there. There's the Moken right there fishing. All right. Um, now watch this, their eyes and their pupils, they can adjust them. So way underwater, what you and I would see absolute blur. They would see clearly a fish, by the way, as an aside, do you remember? That's where the, that's where the tsunami hit in 2004 around Christmas, 2004, the Moken all left by the way. Why? Because they knew the sea. They knew the sea had gone out and they knew the sea was, they had, they had generations of leg- of stories, what they would call the tsunami. They had a different word for it. They were gone. Here's the point. You can train your brain or your mind to do anything, but it will do you a favor. This is so important. That's why we have habits. Read Romans 7. This will be what I'm talking about. Romans 7 is about the groove that's worn in your brain. Paul says, the thing that I want to do, I don't do. The thing I tell myself I'm not going to do, I end up, what? Doing. Who's ever tried to give up donuts? Right? You've got a groove, man. That, that's a groove. It's well-worn in there, right? And your brain says, you love that. You love it. huh? You love the little red light at Krispy Kreme. You love that thing, right? Now, this stuff happens naturally without your consent. Your brain just says, you're going to need this. Let me do you this favor. And what the, like the Moken, they, they learn to overrule an auto-reflex. So the way that people dilates underwater, they overrule it. What we're talking about today is overruling your natural inclination with your brain. All right? Bible word would be Repent. Rewire. So, um, think about this. John five. Uh, you remember Jesus coming to the man who was sitting by the pool. He had been there for years and years and years of his life, and Jesus asked him the question: "Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well?" So, well, that's a silly question for someone who's crippled and sitting there where people are getting healed all the time. This pool was known for that. What kind of a question is that? But Jesus knew it was the essential question to ask you, what do you really want? Everything starts with changing your mind. This is what I really want. Why? Because this guy had been sitting there for so long, he got comfortable, he got used to how things were in his mind. It's like a deep groove. And it's, it's, it would be like making, if you have a river, a river flows this direction. Why? Because of gravity, because the groove has worn down. It's almost like you have to dig another channel to go the opposite direction in your mind. Several years ago, um, I was a youth pastor. I worked with high school students. And I had this was such a learning experience for me, because I was a youth pastor at a church. I would call it a stable church. I would call it um, a, a stable, kind of a rural community, a lot of stable families. Um, and I went there, and I mean, I flourished. The guys have been there several times, did music with me. We we had uh, all. It was just a, it was just a really good experience. And then. Um, I transitioned and I moved to another church and it was a completely different culture. Completely. And there were kids that grew up without stable homes. These were kids that grew up without uh, uh, a lot of love, a lot of nurturing. And I walked in and what I thought was I was, you know, To be honest with you, these kids, their families, they loved me. You know, they brought their kids to church. It was just what you did every Wednesday. You came to church, and it was just a very common routine. And then I was the youth pastor, and they all hugged me. Oh, you're the best! You're the best! I got to this new place, and I thought that's what was going to happen. I'm the youth pastor; they're going to love me. I'm here to serve them and their kids. And I still remember one of the introductions that I got. Um, Someone came up to introduce me to this young man who was a part of the church. And they said, This is Chris, and he's our youth pastor. And his reply was, yeah, we've had a lot of those. Right? And it was the beginning of my eyes opening up to here was a here was a completely different here was a completely different mindset from a bunch of people who had grown up a completely different way. If you've spent a lot of time in the inner city, you know. Stability is not the same as it is in other places. So your brain does you a favor. Think about it. Your brain does you a favor. It puts up defense mechanisms automatically. To to what? Get you to survive. So what I had to learn, and silly me, I I had to learn that this was normal that their brains, it wasn't about me. You get what I'm saying? I had to learn that. It took me a while, I was too young to realize. But they, they had to rewire, right? I had to rewire. This was a completely different thing. So what I'm saying that, that would maybe help us is this. Your brain will sabotage good relationships. Some of you have done it. There's people there that were just there to love you. Honestly, they didn't have a bad thing or mad. But you sabotage the relationship. Why did you sabotage it? Because it was an old defense mechanism that served you somewhere back in your life. You knew, think the worst about this person. Don't believe what they're saying, right? And here I was trying to give something to these students, not having it. Absolutely, they were not having it. Honestly, I wanted the best for them. I was trying, and I it took me years to learn what they were doing was normal, right? from what they had grown up. Now, I want to say something that's really important. It needs to be said more in church. Most people are doing the best they can. Most people are doing the best they can. Uh, in fact, they got a quote from a, 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 a really interesting writer and uh, person that's making a huge difference in the world right now. Her name is Brene Brown. And she says, everybody is doing the best that they can. That's hard because you like to judge. Huh? That screwed up your judging, didn't it? But this guy's doing this and this guy's doing that. Right. But they're going from a certain perspective. They're going from some place that they came from. And what we like to do, right, as long as we come out ahead on the judging scale, <laughs> right, as long as we come out ahead on a judging scale, is we like to evaluate everybody from the, thinking that we all started from the same starting block. But we did not start from the same starting block. We did not. And everybody started from a different place. That's why I think Jesus said, don't what? Judge. Help. Pray. Serve. Give. Don't judge. They came with some kind of wiring survival techniques why there were toxic relationships and you had to build up certain things to avoid the toxicity now you don't know how to let good things in think about it now you don't know how to allow pleasant things in so good question ready for you to think about how your brain is wired today Good question. What do you assume will happen? You go to work, you go to make a sales call, you go into a business meeting, you walked into Starbucks, you're in a completely new environment. What do you assume will happen? Do you assume? Well, they're trying to get me, I know they're trying to get me in this place, they're trying to take my money. I got my hand up already, right? I got all my defenses up. I'm ready. I know you're trying to sell me something I don't want, right? What a horrible way to live your life, right? Saved eight cents, right? But I I had all of my guards up. What do you assume? You go home. What do you assume is going to happen? You meet with your kids. What do you assume is going to happen? You try to get a new job. What do you assume? You see, what we call this is faith. Faith. Faith is moving from, this is going to be terrible, this is not going to work out, to faith is, it's going to work out. I don't know how. It's not, by the way, faith is not knowing how. Can we finally settle that? Everybody's been trying to prove their faith. What an idiotic thing to say. Is, faith is not knowing how. There is no proof. It's just, I don't know how. How do you know this is going to work out? When, when, when I started Orchard Grove Community Church, this was, there was absolutely no reason it should work. None. No. I mean, people say, well, what's the business plan? They're like, business uh, business plan? I was like, yeah. <laughs> do you have any money? Do you have any startup capital? Oh, what's capital, right? I, I mean, I was a youth pastor. I didn't know anything. But, you know, I didn't know anything. I had no strategy. It was just, it was a gut Is this this okay? Can we talk about this for a minute? It was just, in my gut, I'm like, we got to have something for people that are tired of church as it is. I have to. Because I was tired of it. The only reason, I did it for me. I thought, well, at least I'll enjoy it. (laughs) I can't, no, I was. I was like, I can't just do more of as it is. I couldn't. I couldn't go another Sunday, honestly, right? I didn't have a plan. I didn't have any financial backing I had nothing. But it worked out. But you know what's sad? You have enough things that go wrong, and I would, this is, I hope I would have the guts to do it again. Think about it. Because after a while you go, well, yeah, but you got to measure this. But what if this doesn't happen? And you, is anybody with me? You get burnt enough time in life or relationships or whatever. And it can, it can start to dim, dim your faith. It's a great, there's a great story in the scripture. You got to, you, you at some point, you got to look it up, read it maybe today. It's, it's in First Samuel 14. And it's Jonathan with his armor bearer, and they're fighting. And the Philistines are over in a certain camp, and and they're, everybody's scared. And Jonathan, has a great line, and he goes, he goes, "Let's go over to the Philistine camp. Those he called them those uncircumcised Philistines. Let's go over to their camp. Perhaps God will help us. Is that a business case? Huh?" Can you, can you go into the room? Can you say that? like is it Page eight, perhaps God will show up. What is that? That's just faith. You don't go into it outnumbered. They were completely outnumbered, right? What we want to do is we want to get all of our numbers correct, right? I want to have all the math there. I want to make sure that we have all the angles covered. I want to make sure that everything's working in our favor. And then we'll make a decision. Then we'll pull the trigger. Faith, Ready? is not having all that figured out. But faith is sensing. Stay with me. Sensing. Sensing God's leading. He's going to... What? Ready? What if God shows up? Right? Let's start a church for people that don't go to church or are tired of church or tired of the way church is. Well, that's, that's probably a bad idea. Like us start a McDonald's for people that don't like hamburgers. No, no, that's not a good idea, Chris, right? But then you just go, but what if God shows up? What if? Faith is built on what if? So now, as you go through life, think about this. The question that you want to ask is, what am I assuming? Am I assuming God's not going to show up? Or am I assuming that God might show up? you know what? God might meet us here. God might be in this. God might work this out. A lot of things in life can get us always practicing the worst case scenario. If anything today, if there's a few people today that I could just nudge you and deliver you from worst case scenario thinking constantly, some people are stuck in an absolute rut because all you can think about is the the worst case scenario you never try anything new you never go anywhere new you never test your faith you never stretch anything you're freaking out right now because you're not in your seat at church right and you you can't handle but listen faith is not playing out the worst case scenario faith is playing out the what the best Hebrews, right? 11. It's what we hope for. Stop giving up on what you hope for. Stop saying, I can't hope for that. That's exactly what faith is. Even these wild probabilities. Rewiring your mind is going to take something. It's going to take you realizing when you're on autopilot. The last time I drove here to Building C, when I was supposed to be going to the store, I just laughed out loud at myself, right? First thing you got to do, some of you got to laugh out loud at yourself at your auto reflexes. Why do I always get mad about this? Why do I always get mad? They say, we we talked about this a little bit last time, fear is is a rollover emotion or, or, or anger. Anger is a rollover emotion, right? Why? Because now I'm afraid. You, you're, you're angry because you're afraid of what's going to happen. If you just trust, it's going to work out. Think about how powerful how powerful it is to be a trusting person. Yeah, but it's scary. Well, no kidding. But think about how powerful it is. Everyone that's ever accomplished anything great in life is a trust-based person. They trust. They hope. They have faith. So really, the rewiring is this. It's moving us from... This is not going to work out. I, I don't know what's. It's that guy sitting by the pool, waiting for healing year after year after year. And what Jesus was trying to say to him, the healing is here. He thought it was, well, you got to touch me, or you got to stir the water, or you got to. Do you want to get well? Ready? I'm going to challenge you now. What do you want to assume? What do I want to assume? Oh, I want to assume it's going to be terrible. Why? I want to assume that it's going to be fabulous. I don't know how. It's, faith is not knowing how. The father of our faith. You read in Hebrews, <clears throat> the father of the whole thing. Abraham, it says he got up and he went. And it literally says not knowing where he was headed. We've placed, please listen, we've placed way too much of a premium on knowing everything instead of assuming, not assuming bad, but assuming, I think God might show up. I think God might work this out. David was such a mixed bag of a character in the scriptures, right? There are so many times when he was heroic in his faith, And so many times, he was an absolute, what? Failure. I'm sure David's in there for a reason. Huh? Anybody? Right? There are times you you can pick it, and there are times you can miss it. Here's what I want to say. Ask yourself, what am I assuming? I'm having this conversation with my boss. Oh, I know he thinks I'm an idiot. You walk into a room. I know they don't like me. I know they... How many realize this? You think a lot about yourself, but most people really aren't even thinking about you. Isn't that true? How do I look? How's No one's thinking about that, right? You overthink it. You overwork it in your mind. So this is what faith is starting to assume. God's for me. This is going to work out. I don't know how, but I'm going to keep taking steps of faith. I, what we know now, we didn't used to know this about the brain. You can rewire those shortcuts. The old ones can die off those old habits, they can die off. Romans 7, the thing that I want to be, I'm not. Paul was frustrated with himself. Anybody ever get frustrated with yourself? But that can change. Closing exercise. This is what we've been talking about in this series. I'll call it, I don't really care what word you use because one word means something to one person. It means something. Like if you grew up with a praying grandma that had her apron over her head and went to the corner and prayed. Some people praying is on your knees. Some people is, you know, with your hands. That's not the issue. Use the word prayer. Use the word meditation. Whatever, whatever word works. But look, every single day, you've got to find a space in your mind where you start assuming, intentionally assuming the best. Right now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to exercise my faith. You say... I'm going to start to believe that I'm going to say good things out loud. They're, it's not an accident that people that are doing these success seminars, they don't even tie them to religion at all. But it's not an accident that people are, there are two things, they're talking about your mind and your mouth. They're always they're talking about your mind and your mouth. What are you thinking about and what are you saying about yourself? But if you're doing these things, right, you're wearing new grooves or you're making new connections. You're making new connections. All right, closing story. This one I do not want to admit. Joe, I do not want to admit this, all right? So the Orchard Grove softball team is playing, and they're in, like, the last game of the season. And I haven't been out there. I haven't been there for years. I I haven't played softball in, in probably 15, 18 years, Right? So they call me and go, Chris, come on out. We need someone. So I go out there and I'm, and I'm thinking, oh, this will be fun. You know, I haven't played softball in so long. And, and, uh, it's, and, and it turns out we're tied for first place. So now there 's a little bit of drama involved, and I 'm thinking this is good because I could, I could see myself hitting the winning run, you know what I mean, and uh, <laughs> the pastor, that would be a good thing, so I got up there, and it 's the bottom, it 's the end of the inning, and, and the lady that was pitching the other team uh, was you know she couldn 't hit the strike zone for whatever, and so really what you do is you just let yourself walk I didn't know this, but you let yourself walk and they let the guys take two bases, right so um, I just and, and then they told me when I got there, you start with one strike, right. So I start with one strike and then she drops one in there and instead of missing like she had been all night, she drops one in for first strike. Now I got two strikes on me, right? You don't know where this story's going. No, I think you do. What did I do? I whiffed at it, right? I strike out, the end of the end of the game, loser, all oh, the team was booing me, right? And everything. Now here's the thing. I mean, I played so many sports growing up. It's unbelievable. And I I started thinking to myself, when is the last time I swung a bat at a moving ball, right? I couldn't think of it. Why? Your brain, this is important. You don't need that skill. You just, it just what? It just dies off. Evidently, you have to practice. (laughs) Evidently, you have to go back and do these things, right? Evidently, if you do it all the time, right? All of a sudden, you don't even think about it. But here's the point. Are, you can practice becoming a faith-filled person. You can. Some of you have settled. You're like that crippled man in John 5. You just settled there. You said, I'm cranky. I'm cantankerous. I'm negative. That's just the way I am. No, you have to decide that's not the way I'm going to be. I'm going to start to believe the best. It will change your family. Some of you, you gotta, it will change your family. You just I'm going to let those connections die off. I'm going to let that way of responding to my wife or my kid, I'm just going to let that die off. I'm going to let the way I re- reply to those emails, I'm going to let that die off. and But I'm going to grow some new connections. Old things can die and what? New things can come. And I'll be at the batting cages this week. All right.